you players, playerettes, doo-doo-dets, amigos, amigos, whatever we want to call you, welcome back once again. We are now post-100, post-2 years old. We were having parties and streamers and, yay, welcome to Game of Crimes. We've survived two years. It's like the apocalypse. We're the cockroaches that survived. Uh, who would have ever thought it? It was amazing. I was uh, I was just out in, in San Antonio, Texas. Javier and I were speaking at the Texas Gang Investigators Conference uh, just yesterday morning, as a matter of fact, and which was today's, what's that? what is today, Saturday? So it's Friday morning. And... Uh, and I got to announce that we are this week was our two year last week was our two year anniversary. And I look, man, we're getting all kinds of followers now. It's it's uh, a lot of these young police officers now understand social media. They're they're clicking in on Instagram and all the other social media platforms and they're logging in to listen. And it was amazing how many of them came up to me during the conference and said, man, I listened to that. I remember this episode about so and so. And so thank you to all of our listeners for continuing to support us out there. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll tell you a couple other things here real quick. Let, let me get some, uh, let me get some just housekeeping out of the way, and then we'll, we'll tell you about our travel issues <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> again, yeah. So, hey guys, head on over to Apple, Spotify, hit those five stars. By the way, here's a here's a pro tip for you guys. Stitcher is going away. If you listen on Stitcher, you need to transition. Stitcher is officially shutting down ah. uh, in a couple months, so Stitcher will be no mas. So as, over to Apple or Spotify. As Ricardo Duran said, no mas uh, during his fight. So uh, head on over to uh, Apple and Spotify. Hit those five stars. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And give us your comments. Let us know what you think of the episodes. Also head on over to our website, GameOfCrimesPodcast.com. On our website this time, we will have the listing for the book for the uh, guest we're going to tell you about here in just a little bit. Also, follow us on that thing they call social media, at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But dudes and dudettes, where you got to be is you got to be at Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. That's Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. One more what time. What was it again? Patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. There you go. Um, we got some good stuff. We just did 911. What's your emergency? We brought in a case over from the UK. Uh, very interesting. A lot of twists and turns. Not what you thought it was. Uh, and it took uh, 30 years to solve this case. It started and all with a 911 call. So we've got that still coming out. still up in the air. It's still up in the air, up for appeals. Uh, yep. uh, so we we we, will, we don't want to give away too much, right? So we got our monthly Q and A coming up. Uh, we do. We just got through with our narcometer review of narcos. Narcos. We reviewed season one and two, and actually we had somebody, one of our new subscribers, asked us, said, "Hey, could we do like uh, get Chris and Dave on, you know, and talk about that?" And I believe it was. Uh, I want to give proper credit. It was uh, Sonia Bros, B-R-O-S-Z, Sonia Bros. She said, I would love to hear Chris and Dave discuss season three. All in all, Narcos was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. But Thank Steve, you, you don't get a big head, but I have to say your book about it all, Manhunters, was even better. Oh, there you go. There's my new favorite person. Thank you, Sonia. <laughs> Freaking big. You're not, you can't even fit on the screen anymore. You need two cameras now. Uh, there you go. We're, we're so, coming up in the world. So hey, that's interesting. Um, that would be very interesting to do with Chris and Dave because we did. Uh, but if you guys know, one of our exclusives with Patreon we did with them was we did the analysis of oh, uh, the entire Cali cartel. Sixteen hours. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's the most. Exp I mean, that's the most extensive thing we've ever done. I believe. Holy cow! Yeah. Expensive or extensive. They were gracious enough to give us all that time and, and sit here and put up with our crap. And yeah, 
Love those guys. Good people. Took us to, but hey, but that's a good that's a good one. So Sonia, we will we may we're gonna look into that. Of course, we need their help to do it. But I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a reason I did that. Yeah. Reason I talked about that because method behind your madness. Method to my madness. And you're gonna understand the method to the madness too. If you listen to you, you have to listen to our 911 Patreon episode to understand part of our psychology that we used. But the reason we said that is we were out at the Southern California Game Conference. We're going to dispense this week with small town police blotter for two reasons. Number one, um, we've kind of got a pretty long episode. It's two and a half hours. But number two, it's because like when we talk with Raymond Mundo Mendoza, uh, the OG from the Mexican Mafia, we have so many comments. People want to hear him again. We're setting that up. This deals with a lot of death, deals a lot Deals a lot with subjects. we didn't. It's like we did when we talked with uh, Natasha Herzig. It just... We don't want to provide levity in that sense. It's not a funny topic. It's a very serious right. topic. We want to treat it. So we're going to skip it. But the reason we're skipping it, uh, the reason I brought up Sonia and talked about that is while we may not be doing a review of Narcos Season 3 yet, we are bringing you somebody who was part of the real Narcos Cali Cartel, and it is William Rodriguez Abadia. He is the son of who, Murph? Drumroll. He is the son of Miguel Rodriguez Orwella, and his uncle is Gilberto Rodriguez Orwella, the two heads, the two original heads of the Cali cartel. When those boys were extradited to the United States, guess, guess who, who took, took over? over? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> William Rodriguez Abadia, and he came down to the gang conference and he spoke. Um, he, he's, he's a funny guy. He's Let me tell you. He's not a dumb guy. Do not look at these folks right. and think they're stupid. He's got a law degree. He's got a couple of advanced degrees. Um, he was just in the wrong business. But uh, it was funny. We were talking about this on the Patreon episode. We'll share this part with you. But when he started speaking and you were on stage with him, or if you had the opportunity to uh, interview him, and we talked mm -hmm. about his book, too, called Son of the Cali Cartel, The Narcos Who Wiped Out Pablo Escobar and the Medellin Cartel. Mm -hmm. I think Chris and Dave might have had a little to do with that, and you and uh, Javier. You know, and, and it's understandable. Um uh, in fact, I, one of them, and I, I love these guys. So I'm not uh, dissing on them at all, but call me out. He said, what if that was Pablo Escobar's son? Would you go on stage with him? And we've had that offer and had it again, as a matter of fact, while we were doing this interview. And absolutely not, because it was, you know, I never investigated the Cali cartel. I know a lot about them, not nearly as much as Chris and Dave and, and the other folks that worked it, but um, it was an opportunity, and, and the way I try to explain it to the guys, here was an opportunity for these 900 Southern California law enforcement officers to get a look inside of the Cali cartel. So an opportunity they're probably never going to have again in their lives. So it was, as you saw, it was a two-hour interview that we did on stage there. Uh, I tried to grill him. I hit him with the hard questions. Uh, did not get the answers that, and I didn't expect to get answers to certain questions. Remember, he's a lawyer by training. Well, and there's no statute of limitations on murders either. So yep. I'm not saying he's a murderer, but um, there were questions I'd love to have the answers to, but I knew I wasn't going to get them. But you know what? William was gracious enough to meet with you and I later that evening, and, and we were able to sit down and get into a little bit more detail and a little bit more comfortable environment where, <laughs> I mean, think about this. You're a convicted criminal. You're the former head of the Cali drug cartel, and you're sitting in front of 900 police officers. You think that might cause a pucker factor? Well, and it was funny. That's glad you said that because one of the things he said was he says, look, I, I've, I'm, I'm 
a little nervous because all the police are in front of me. I'm used to having them behind me, you yeah. know, chasing me, you know? So <laughs> Which ended point, up being a nice, that was a nice icebreaker because it was a little bit tense in the auditorium there. Yeah, but but the thing is, but you're absolutely right. Look, you can't defeat the enemy if you can't define them, if you can't understand them. Um, and even, right. it goes back to Sun Tzu. If you know yourself and you know your enemy, you do not have to fear the outcome of 100 battles. So this, if you want to get it, it's like when we talked to Ramon uh, Mundo. Do we condone what he did? Absolutely not. Is this right. the type of guy that we're going to go sit and have beers with and go hang out with all over the United States? No. Um, but you know what? But here's the thing is you can have respect for the person and you can have respect for the for the fact is they were willing to stand up in front and and talk about this stuff and realize, hey, it's it's a hostile environment. You know, mm -hmm. you are. Um, you are going to be get grilled, and it's like you. You ask some questions, you know, about the money, about all the other stuff going on, and so that's the reason why we kind of wanted to uh, set the stage for that. Is just right. tell you guys is we're not going to do small town police blotter um, because this gets into some serious discussions. We have a little bit of fun, but th there's a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, to your point, and to your point, uh, there's no statute of limitations on murder. But what is interesting, and you guys need to listen to the interview, Murph, is that. Um, it was interesting how he is able to remain in this country, considering much of what he was facing were state, for some reason, were state charges. Yeah, and we never did get a definitive answer, but I got a feeling that was part of a plea agreement. So, you know, you guys listen to the story, listen to the interview, and, and make up your own mind how you think that worked out. Yep, and what you guys think. So let's do this. The other thing we did, too, is um, we recorded it. Um, in, Nice place out in uh, Southern California. Nice. Murph had the Murph's the big guy. He had the big room and everything. So we're sitting, you know, in a <laughs> sit, sitting in the living area, basically over a uh, over a bar, you know, basically bar countertop. We've got the microphone set up. So I've done my best to do the audio, but you guys are getting it raw. You're getting it as though you're sitting there in the room with us, listening to the conversation. Right. We weren't in our in our home studios where we can have a lot more control over the environment and the echo and, and things like that. So you may hear some background noise, but bear with us. This is an, absolutely an interview worth listening to. One thing you will not hear is a cat. You might hear a cat on some of our other stuff, but there were no cats. <laughs> Spudnut is not featured on this episode. Neither one of them are. I, the, the thing I did, too, before you even I recorded, I went and fed them this time, so I didn't get that. You know? <laughs> But hey, guys, let's let's get into this. And here, keep this in mind too. Remember now, um, when you listen to you know uh, Steve and uh, uh, JP when they talk about bringing down the Medellin cartel, there's a lot of factors in play with that, including as we were discussing in our Patreon episode reviewing of season two. But uh, you had uh, you had Los Pepe's, you had a lot of the other folks now that start getting involved. There's a lot of factors in addition to the Cali cartel that are involved in this. But hey, guys, nonetheless, it's a great story. But here's the thing. You're hearing it from somebody who was shot six times, survived an assassination mm -hmm. attempt. Two of his bodyguards were killed. This guy was a major target on the run for four years. Um, where else are you going to hear an interview like this but right here, Murph, Game of Crimes? That's right, everybody. So if you're ready, let's get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. This is one you're not going to hear anywhere else. Mr. William Rodriguez. Well, this is a very special episode. This gentleman we're about to introduce you to, um, Murph, 
uh, is sitting here with me and our guest. We're at the Southern California Gang Conference. Uh, he was special guest on stage today with Murph. Murph, you got to interview him for like 90 minutes. Yes. So uh, there is a book he has. And guys, this is going to tie into episodes we've done with Chris Feistel mm-hmm. about the Cali Cartel. Dave Mitchell. Dave Mitchell. Well, that was on. Now that's on Patreon. Patreon. So quick, uh, quick. Uh, uh, Cheap uh, advertisement, <laughs> patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. You can find our 15-part series on the Cali Cartel. You'll find our 12-part series on uh, Pablo Escobar. And remember, episode number one we launched our podcast with was interview of Javier and, uh, Javier and uh, Steve about Pablo Escobar. Well, this brings this full circle because this also ties into Paul Crane and Abe Perez and the takedown of El Chapo because one of the people involved in El Chapo, um, we're going to talk about a little bit too, but let's get to this. Let's. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Just tell us your name first, and we're going to make the tie-in. So let's introduce yourself. My name is William Rodriguez. I'm a lawyer, and I'm from Cali, Colombia. <laughs> yes, you're from Cali, Colombia. You have a book called Son of the Cali Cartel, and who was your father? My father is, was Miguel is Miguel Rodriguez Orejuela. He was one of the founders of the Cali Cartel with my uncle, Gilberto, and and... You guys mark me as the third man leading the Cali Cartel, so that's something that I have to live with, and and that's that's my story. Well, well, just remember, we're here for you, William. Yeah, we're here. This is this is about <laughs> I'm your story. I'm joking. But if you guys will go look at our episode page for uh, when we talked to Chris Feisel about the Cali Cartel, you'll see the wanted poster. And remember the wanted poster with your father's picture up there? One of what are they called? The four horsemen, you know, the four gentlemen of the Cali Cartel. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's get into that because. W- it's obvious we're going to talk about the sentiment. You were convicted. You went to jail. You did your time, and you're out now. But let's go back to let's go back to Cali. Let's go back to Columbia. I don't want to go back to like when you were in diapers, you know. And you're, <laughs> uh, but let, let's talk about. You had an interesting analogy. You talked about the Godfather, and I remember the one part where the Godfather, where Al Pacino playing the son, was a lawyer, I believe, right, or an accountant. But I think he was a lawyer. He was a lawyer, yeah. Yeah, and he could have gone one way or the other, and he was trying to stay out of the business, but he was brought back in. What's your? When did you? At what age did you realize what kind of business your father was in? When I was like 18 years old, and it was like 84, when you know something happened, uh, Pablo Escobar decided to kill the. Minister of Justice in that moment, and it came a war. The government decided to make a war against drug trafficking, and my uncle was already indicted over here in, in the United States. And who's your uncle? Gilberto Rodriguez. Okay. So, so he had to go and hide, and he, I believe, he makes his one of his best uh, worst mistakes. He decided to hide in in Spain, living a crazy life as a millionaire, and he's captured. So that day, I found out the truth of who he was and you know and because the day he was a prospect businessman he had banks he had big corporations and in night he was one of the uh, jockeys of the apocalypse no like you say he was one of the main guys of drug trafficking in the world and how did you what was it was it just the arrest of your uncle or did you kind of have an idea before that i mean based on your lifestyle and the quote job or occupation your father had but you know, it was there. There were people talking stuff, but you know, they they, they managed you know a, a low profile, no? Because I tell you, before eighty eighty eight, when we started the war against Escobar, we never saw a lot of security, you know, all around us. So, he, my father had a one chauffeur, my uncle too. So you know, it was like normal, and 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 they had big corporations, you no? Know? They had two banks 
one in Panama, one in in Colombia. They had big companies, so you know. And you know how kids are. We are, you know. We got what we wanted, so we were focused in, in what we did. And and one of the main occupations that we had to, you know, our responsibility was studying. And so we didn't, you know, we didn't, we hear some stuff, but really we didn't put it together because you were enjoying the toys too much and the, yeah, no, the trips yeah, and the lifestyle. No, and 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 the toys and and the and and the largesse that we have in those days, you know, because if we study, we get the stuff, you know, we wanted. So we're going to Japan, we're going here to the states, we're going to Europe. So we didn't, you know, care about that because in the end there were our, there were our father and, and our uncles and, and my uncle was my second father. So, you know, that, that shocked us, you know, when that happened because in a moment we feel like betrayed and even my cousin and me because I, when I came to this, when I came back from the state, when my mother brought me again because I lived here like five years when I was a child. <laughs> I decided to leave my mother and go to live with the first wife of Gilberto and my aunt. And so they were going to move to a house. So my, the youngest one, you know, had to share the, the, the same room with, with me. And we became very close, one of the sons of Gilberto. And, you know, so we talked that day. We felt like betrayed. But, you know, they, my uncle was good for us, be good for us, like, like a father. So, you know, we decided to... Who, who would left? Who would leave in a situation from a hundred people, maybe one, 90%, 90, 99 would stay there. You know? It's not an excuse, but it's true. It was my family. You got accustomed to the wealth and to the luxury and to the, it was, it would be hard. Yeah, to it, it could be because, you know, kids are like that. We are, when we're kids, yeah. we're like this way. We like good life. We like, you know, to have luxuries and, and we mm -hmm. did, you know, but we, but something important, though, know, they always started to, to, if we wanted something, we have to do our chores. So what are our chores? Study, be be good students, and and get good grades. That was our, our, our obligation. Well, let's go back to what you said a minute ago. You were, you said you lived in the United States. How old were you um, when you lived in the United States? And was was it just with your mother, or what was the family situation? No, my mother decided to leave my father because my my father was a very bad you know husband to her, and she decided to bring me here, and and I didn't see my father for five years and that's not like now that you know everybody has internet and, and right. easy to get to so my, my my father my mother disappeared with me and my father got, so went crazy he didn't know where you were no he didn't know so how, how did she what did she how did she survive then how did she survive financially for those five years she worked she worked uh, hard uh life you know that that was like a, a hard time because my mother you know de decided to live with another guy I never liked that, that that man because he was treated in bad and and she was working like 10 12 hours a day so you know my only companion was the television so because in the end she had to work to uh, survive where did you live in Chicago Chicago mm -hmm. what did you think of Chicago very cold. <laughs> very, yeah, windy. Very, very cold. Very, very cold windy. compared to uh, the Columbia, yeah. No, very cold, very windy. And, and it was very difficult because, you know, I, I was the, the first child uh, in the first, uh, f first um, in my family, in my mother's side, you know. So I was, you know, spoiled because I had three aunts, my grandmother, and, you know, I lived with them. 
And uh, and for me, it was a shock when I went went back to to when I came here because I was by myself because my mother was always busy. What what what? How old were you at that time? What grades were you in? Like you six remember? six years. So you would have just started school then, like kindergarten and first grade. Yeah, how I was it going to school? I mean, because you didn't know English at that time, right? Yeah, but you know, when you're a kid, you take it fast. You know, in six mm -hmm. months, I was mm, speaking perfect English. That's why I, I speak. No, uh, no more English because I live in in Florida, but nobody speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm in Middle yeah. Florida, Central Florida, though. Yeah. So, so, um, what were the circumstances then of how you reunited then with your father after five years? Uh, it was complicated because you know I I felt like guilt. I was a, a little kid, but I felt guilty because I I, I lied to my father because my mother. I came first to United States, and then I came with my aunt, and I had to lie to him. So you know, I felt like like you know, I was a little kid, but I real I really feel like guilty that because I lied to my father. So I waited like six months to get in touch with my mother. Was hey do it because my father was a, a successful businessman. You know, he had a lot of companies, and. When you were in Chicago, was he in the drug trade at that time? Yeah, because my uncle started in 73. Okay. My, my uncle wow. was one of the first ones to start this business. And he, he, somebody came down from state, a friend of him called Girardo. And the guy said to him, I got the business that we have to get in. And so my, my uncle was very, you know, very... Uh, how do you say the word? He was, you know, he Very went for it. business savvy. He yeah, and, and, I, and he wanted to make money. And so he, 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 they took a, they bought a car in Panama. They put two kilos in there and they go from Panama to New York, 8,000 kilometers. Wow. That's the, that's the, the first, the, it's the two first kilos that the Cali cartel, you know, brought to the States. You know who that sounds like? That sounds like what uh, George Young, Carlos Slater was doing with vehicles. Holy remember cow. what he talked about? They would, uh, do you know, you remember Carlos Slater? Mm -hmm. So Car that was one of the things I think George said Carlos was doing was he was buying cars here and then putting cocaine in there and then shipping or vice versa. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. Buying cars there and then shipping it into the United States with cocaine. Now that that's the first, that was the first two kilos the Cali cartel brought into the States in 1973. But can you imagine driving that far from? Yeah. Panama, they, it was New crazy. It, it was crazy. That guy almost died in, in that adventure because he didn't have a lot of money funds. Right. Yeah. That's a dangerous highway. You know, you know what he, he told us he, he ate, he only ate bread and Coca-Cola. That's the only they, they ate. Wow. It was very complicated, but he made $120,000 in, in 1973. Wow. wow. And that's when the Cali Cartel was born. Wow. Jeez. So, well, see, that's something I never knew. So, I mean, you go back to 73. Who, um, so what happened after that? So, how old were you in 73? I was like Seven years old. Okay, so you had no idea, obviously, at that no, point what was going on. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was, I, I was here in the states. Okay, did you know it at that time that your dad had driven no, all the way up there? No, okay, because my I didn't know where my father was. I had like six years old. I didn't know what they were okay. doing. But this this uh, crime organization is started by my uncle. My father was studying law, and then the same. My uncle didn't want my 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 father to get involved. 
because he wanted to, him to be a, a successful lawyer. My father's a lawyer. So, you know, this guy, you know, I don't know how he, he saw it, my, my uncle, and, and, he, and he had my father on, on the side too for, for a period of time, like three or four years before he needed him, no? Mm-hmm. So then they started, and, the, and then this guy said, I'm not going to do this adventure anymore. So they started with passengers. That's crazy, no? The, this, mm-hmm. this story no, nobody knows. They, they were bringing him in, in records. In records? Vinyl records? Yeah, yeah, because in those days, they did Cali, Panama. Panama was the states in those moments. So they did the, the, the international flight into Panama. Mm-hmm. The guy... Came with the, they had somebody in the airport, the guy came with the, with the record. You remember there was like th- those kind of... The yeah, big jackets. Yeah. yeah. The big ones. The dust jackets. Yeah, so they, they, the guy brought it in, he put it in, in the chair, and they made, he, he get out in Panama. It, now it's a, it's a, it's a national, uh, how you say, it, a national flight. Into yeah, international flight, yeah. It's not an international now, it's, it's you can, a normal flight in... Domestic flight. Domestic flight. So when the guy came into Miami or to New York, the the other they already had the He company. didn't get searched. No, they no, they he took the mm-hmm. the and put it in, 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 yeah. in, in that that way they were doing and they did a lot of that. And then Jeez. when they, they had a lot of money, you remember this guy Leather? Leather? Yeah. Carlos, mm-hmm. Carlos, Carlos Leather. Leather. The guy bought a, an island in, in Norman's in, K. In, yeah, in, in Bahamas and then my uncle bought a um, a ranch in Alabama, so they were, were t- taking planes from that day, for that island to that, that ranch in in Alabama, and they were putting 300, 400 kilos in Alabama, mm-hmm. and they're taking it to New York. Wow, that's a whole lot better nobody than driving. Know, nobody Panama. knew that, no. Well, you know, the, and I mean, it's it, the first trailer for the season for the series Narcos. At the end of it. Boyd Holbrook, who plays me in the show, his statement is, the United States, we didn't know what we were in for. No, and in 73, that time period, nobody knew. Nobody yeah, but knew what cocaine was nah. really in 73. You know what happened? In those days, there was an epidemic of heroin. heroin. Yeah. And so the, you were focused in, in, in that part. And so the, my father and uncle, uh, my, my uncle had like high, highway from 73 to 79 because nobody was after them. So there were Making money, making money, making money, but then something happened—an epidemic of cocaine came into New York, and so they brought the attention of authorities, and they captured this guy Giraldo, and then my father and Jose Santa Cruz, a boy being captured, and that was like the first great operation into '79. No, then they changed the operation way. Wow. So uh, now we were talking to what were the circumstances that finally led you to going back with your father? So you, you're in the States for five years with your mother. You felt guilty about lying to your dad. But how did you come about getting contact with your father again? Well, my mother decided to go back and she was poking at me. Hey, come on, let go, go talk to your dad. So I, I didn't want because I, I feel I betrayed him. But in the aging convinced me and then I, I called the pharmacy office. And say, hey, I'm William Rodriguez. I'm Miguel's son. I want to talk to my dad. So, like in two hours, somebody called. It was one of my aunts. Hey, me, how are you? And say, oh, I want to talk to my dad. And so, okay, let's arrange a meeting. So they arranged a meeting, and and I saw my father uh, six years after the day that I I 
say lies to him, right? So it was a very tough situation. My 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 father was not the same man anymore. You know, I don't know if he he if he he thought I he he believed I was guilty or something. I don't know, but or maybe because he had too much power, he didn't care about that. But there was a, like a call meeting that, that we had that day, and, and that's the way I came back to the Rodriguez family. So when you mentioned the pharmacy, that was a family business, a chain of drugstores in Columbia, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And those were some of the drugstores that Pablo ended up blowing up yeah, later on. Uh, he blew yeah. up like 200-something uh, yeah. pharmacies. Wow, I didn't know it was that. Yeah, many. he blew one, and we put three more. Yeah. <laughs> well. Now, did the meeting when you met your father? Did that meeting take place in the United States or back in Colombia? No, in Colombia. You know, my, something that nobody knows. My father never came to the states. Never, never. Wow. My well, uncle. Who, who yeah. drove up? To, who drove up from? Uh, who drove all the way to New York on that first? Alberto, my my uncle. Your uncle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, my my father in those days was because in those days we had all the operation. We, we were making the cocaine, bringing pasta from Peru. My father was the guy in charge of that. My 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 uncle was the guy who who was sending the merchandise, and Jose Santa Cruz was the guy who's doing here in, in New York the the distribution. And see, I think people forget a lot about that because the one episode we had was Sherry Foster, where she was talking about one of her big cases was about paste coming mm-hmm. out of Peru. I think. Right. Um, tell people too, because they think everything happened in Colombia, right? But Colombia, it's it 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 was refined in Colombia. But talk about the whole supply chain when you're talking about you started in Peru, the, the Cali cartel. You guys were sourcing things out of Peru and other areas, the paste to bring it into Colombia, yeah, right? Because they started the business. First, making money, bringing pasta from Peru, right? That, that so was it wasn't the, cocaine at that point. No, it was just was, paste. Yeah, yeah that was the first. Then they made money, and then, then they, they, they... There was bigger money in the bigger cocaine. Money, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. So they, just they, started, they started that way low, but, but in the end, we had all the operation, but in the... When, in like, in 80, they decided not to, you know, have more to do with, with this part of, of Peru and, and pasta. They, because... Everybody was making cocaine, so why why should you get involved? It was easier to buy in our country the supplies, you know, and not, not get involved in that operation. Were you able to get the chemicals in Colombia? Yeah. So acetone and you know, uh, you know acid. The, the, those uh, where where is money? Every uh, everything anything's available. It's available. So yeah. What is the so um so you came back. To um, uh, Colombia, and you guys were living in Cali, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, what was it like when you came back growing up? Then, how did things? You said things changed. What changed for you? No, I, you know, it changed a lot because I, I, I'm a with my mother. She only had me, so you know, I never had brothers. So, mm-hmm. no brothers, no sisters. Never, so never. So, I came to live with with Gilberto's family, and they were four, five, five kids, one girl, and, and three guys. So. For me, it was, I believe it was the best time of my life, you know, because it was nine, 1979. We're living a normal life and we're having a good life. I have brothers where, you know, and we didn't know what's going on because they were secret. No, something that robs suspicion is when, when, because in those days was Miguel, Gilberto, and Jose Santa Cruz. So when those guys got together in one of our houses, nobody can get be close there. Okay. So you know, my answer: no, you cannot be close. You cannot. You cannot be there. And so you know, that's like why these guys, you know, we cannot be around them. So. 
Well, and, and let everybody know, too, when we talk about the four gentlemen of the Cali Cartel, obviously your father was one. Who were the other three? First, this is the way you, uh, uh, it started. First, it was Gilberto, Jose, Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. and Miguel, my, 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 my father. Into, into 80, 80, 83, something like that. Then 84, when my, my uncle is captured in, in Spain, my father takes over, and then somebody introduced him to, to Pacho Herrera. Pacho Herrera was running New York, a cocaine business in New York. So my father, you know, hooked up with this guy, and they did a lot of business together. So this guy became one of them because something that I never... I never saw this guy until my uncle got out of prison, uh, Pacho Herrera. I only saw Jose, my father, and my uncle. Mm-hmm. And then when my, my, my uncle comes out of prison in 88, then my father makes like a, a party coming back. And then I saw this guy. I never saw him. And so, you know, now this guy is a new member, you know, like in 88 is when we really find out that this guy was an important piece of the puzzle. And so in '88, but you're by by '88 though you've you've attended law school, right? I was st- studying law school. Yeah, yeah. I was like in like fourth semester or something of law okay. school. Okay. So, but you found out you kind of found out you said at 18. Um, but when you're in law school, um, are you seeing things? I mean, are they keeping you away from the operations, or are you seeing things going on? While- no, I was seeing stuff because, you know, when my uncle was in prison, there was like a law. We had to be every Saturday at 8 o'clock of the, uh, of the morning doing a, like a, in the prison to go and to visit my uncle. So, you know, that was crazy. It was, it was a long, I don't know how you say, fila. Long line. A long, a long line, line yeah. of people coming in to see my visitation. My, visitation, my uncle. And so, so we went there, and, <laughs> and this guy was only an hour with us because the visitation was from 8 30 into 5. Mm-hmm. We talked an hour and a half with him. The other one was the guys, you know, talking with other different person. With, but we have to be there. Even if we were drunk or we've been in party, we have to be there at 8 30. It was La Law. Why, why was it the law for you to be there? Because my father and uncle, my father wanted my uncle to feel like we were behind him, right? But you meant it was the family law, not like yeah, a no, Colombian law. No, 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 it was a family okay. law. We had to be there, and who, who wasn't there, you were in problems. You were in trouble. Mm-hmm. Jeez. <laughs> Man. Great way to spend your Saturday mornings after a rough Friday night. Yeah, that's yeah, a but it was a law, and yeah. so we had to go to sleep there. Or <laughs> Did you have to stay there all day? All day until it ended. Wow! How many? How long was that? Was three years. Three years. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, one of the most, <laughs> one of the most powerful drug trafficker did three years for what <laughs> he did in in the seventies over here. Wow. Hmm. So, but let's talk about now your descent into the family business, so to speak, with your father. You're in law school. Um, was there a temptation for you at that point to get involved in in the drug trafficking in your family no, business? No, he didn't have it. Uh, you know, there, there was like a there was like a, a threat to anybody who talked to us about drug trafficking would get in trouble with them because they don't want us involved. So nobody can come out to us and say because people s- s- thought about it. No, maybe I get hooked up with with the son. I, I, we can get to Miguel or to Gilberto. No. But whoever that, that that's something, maybe we'll get killed. 
because nobody can talk to us about that, you know, because they don't, they didn't, they didn't want us involved in those activities. They so, want us, us in, in the business. They want us to be, you know, successful businessmen in our, in our, in our environment, our, in our empire, economic empire. So they ruled with an iron hand. What yeah. they said, that was, that was the rule. There the was family. a rule. Nobody can talk to us with that because you, you, they can suffer the consequences. Now, did you, was your dad's, your father's plans to have you go through law school and then manage or run part of the family business, the pharmacies? No, my, 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 my father, in my case, they, they, they forced me to study economic. I didn't want to study that, that because <laughs> I always was bad for mathematics. Mm-hmm. So when my, my uncle got imprisoned in, in, in Spain, you know, I saw what was happening. You know, you know I, I, I look up to my father and say, oh, this guy's doing this. He's a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. So I have to go to my uncle, you know, because he was the one who's running the family. My, my father ran the business, but, but, but my uncle was the guy who ran the, the family. So I have to, I talk to my father and I go talk to your uncle. What are you going to do? So I have to go there to prison in Spain. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you have to touch a button to talk to him. And I say, hey, uncle, I, I don't want to study economic anymore. Why? It's, um, you know, you have. I need you to be involved in the in the business of of, of the company. So I want to be a lawyer. And then I, that day I took decision and I I, I started law school. Hmm. Where did you go to law school at? In Cali, in a university in called uh, San Buenaventura of Cali. I, I, I did law school there, and then I went to Spain and did two masters in in, in MBA. You know, so word is out about who your family is. How were you treated when you went to law school? Did people, were they differential to you or would they stay away from you? No, no. Some people, some people didn't. Some, some teachers were mean. Some teachers were, you know. And so, but, you know, it was handleable because, you know, people respected them because who they were. Mm -hmm. And so nobody was messing, but, but. We have to have good grades because if we don't have good grades, we don't get the last one. You don't get. <laughs> so it, you get your privileges taken away. Yeah. In case folks wonder what we're doing, uh, it is in the evening, so we've decided to crack open a bottle of uh, vino blanco. There you go. And, and just so our listeners know, yeah, you cool. know, I don't drink alcohol. I'm actually having a Guinness. <laughs> Well, technically, I, I don't know if I would call that one alcohol. So yeah, it's kind of weak. It's again, it's draft stout, but, uh, but I'll tell you what, a, it tastes pretty good. We're having adult <laughs> beverages, so so this is interesting because see the thing that the theory some people have, like when you looked at Pablo, Pablo was uneducated, but he was street smart, right? I mean. But you were very educated. You had a law degree. You had two master's degree. Uh, was one of them an MBA or was an MBA on top of the master's? And, uh, MBA plus marketing. And that was those were in Spain. In Spain, yeah. España. What part of Spain? Madrid. Nice. Madrid. Yeah, Madrid. I was. I went to. It's called the Instituto de Empresa. That that was a, a important institute there. So, at what point during your education and during this, did were you tempted at that point? I know they said they were keeping you away, keeping people away from you about the business. But at some point, did you become tempted by the business? No, I, I became a lawyer, and then uh, a lot of people were looking for me because they they, they, they wanted my the relations that my father had. Mm-hmm. I, I was inheriting those relations in 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 the legal system in Cali, so I had uh, a lot of opportunities to manage important you know uh, process, 
and people were looking for me because because I, I have I have that power in my in of your father behind you behind yeah. me. Were you were any of those things related to narco uh, traffickers? There, yeah, I was, I, I, I was I was helping people, you know, with with those problems and. Because I had the I have the relationships. So what kind the, of a lawyer were you? Was it civil or legal? No, no, I was I was criminal. Criminal? Yeah, I have an, an office. I had an office that I built that I have criminal part. I have civil part and labor part because you know we ran some part of the company. So that that was my company. You know why I made it? Because I I, I, I was almost the, always the rebel. <laughs> and I was a rebel because you know how what what the my uncle did. He wanted us to be involved in, in, in the business of the company, so he controlled us because mm-hmm. he's giving us a salary, right? So we have to, so I, I didn't want that. I wanted to be independent. And I was making money by my own, being a lawyer. But when you say he involved you in the business, the legal business? The legal the business. Yeah. The legal business, not, not the drug trafficking. Gotcha. How, was, how was the money uh, from the legal side? Um, were you doing well for yourself at that point? Yeah, a lot of money. We are making a lot of money in, in our companies because, you know, we, I, we, we, we is, is, is part of the companies we never saw they put the money in. That was done in the 70s and it started the 80s. So, it's, it's not we're looking for excuses, but my my cousins, even me, we never we never we never saw when they put the money in, right? But those so so big big companies that it went so well that we didn't need to take out the the profit because we had the other money, right? So we were invested, investing. That's why it grew it grew too much. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, did your father have you handle any of the business for his business, the pharmacies or anything else at that point? I I managed uh, because we had like like real estate companies mm-hmm. that I managed because you know there was uh, when we're doing the pharmacies we had like it was like um, it was a perfect business because we put the we put the the real estate places for to put the 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 pharmacies so they were paying. The real estate company that I had, you know, for the rent, and then we have the other. So it was, it was a, it was a, a beautiful circle. Very good family business. Making, making a lot of money. We were making a lot of money. And that's the, that's the irony of this whole thing. Your legal businesses were doing so well, but yet, you know, your father and your uncle were running one of the largest cocaine production and distribution centers in the entire world. Power. Yeah, power, ego, and greed. Power, ego, and greed. Yeah, that's that's the truth. And Escobar. Yeah. Like I, like I told you in in the interview that we did, they were over there. They were trying to be legit in '88, mm-hmm. but Pablo is like the, the Godfather. When you wanna get legit, something comes up, and Pablo came up and 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 blew up every, all our plans. Yeah, let's go before before we get into that. When was your first when did you first learn not only who pa- heard the name Pablo but understood who Pablo was, what he was doing? We we found out who was Pablo when he killed the uh, the minister of justice, you Rodrigo know, because, but, but not because my father told me nothing not because we we saw the news and right. dun, dun, you know, we didn't know what what happened because my father and uncle had relation with these guys from Medellin because my un- my uncle was was cleaning their money through the bank of Panama that he had with the Ochoas. My father, my uncle was very close to Jorge Luis Ochoa, mm-hmm. so my uncle was cleaning their money in the bank. Right. So they had relations, and 
And in 82 happened some, something happened. One of the Ochoas uh, sisters were kidnapped right. by the well, one of the gorillas. And then it's the gorillas, the FARC, or no, the other one, M nineteen, yeah. M nineteen, yeah, and that was the creation of los the extraditables, right? Los extraditables. No, no, it was the mass. Oh, muerte, yeah, uh, killed us, uh, kidnappers. Yeah, um, secuestradores. Death. And then the Pablo uh, uh, made a big call to everybody to a meeting, and then my uncle and dad went, and they had to put money for that operation because they were not going to accept that the gorillas get involved. So they, it was a war against the M19. Yeah. And they have to give this girl back. So that was like our first relation because Jorge Luis Ochoa was very close to my, to my, to my uncle. So how was the relationship then between uh, your uncle, your father and Pablo at that time? Because you had Medellin, you had Cali, were they, were they just, um, staying in their, as we say, staying in their lane and just operating and not, yeah, some, some somebody that this this nobody knows that this, this isn't something that my brother and me wrote a story that we have, and you know what happened when that happened they they got close when that happened uh, creating this movement against kidnappers, so they make a, another meeting and they say okay, my uh, Paolo is gonna take Miami, we're gonna take the Cali Carto is gonna take. New York mm -hmm. and LA, you know, is for anybody. Mm -hmm. So we divided the territory in in that moment. Well, and that's when George Young was. That's what who he was helping then at that point, right? right. Earth was. That's he was. He was Pablo's conduit into Miami, and also he was going out into uh, LA. LA, yeah, he, and he was primarily on the West Coast. So, yeah. and like like uh, William just said here, that was open territory. Open territory. So it sounded like you guys had kind of created ground rules, you know, to operate. But um, during this, at some point, when was your first exposure to the business? In other words, when was that, when you look back now, when did you say, when was that first bite of the forbidden fruit that started leading you down that path that eventually got you involved? That was like in 94. My, my father was crazy, you know. They were putting the, the those things that wanted. Mm -hmm. So this guy first he put a mustache on. He never used. He always was, you know, clean shaven. Clean shaven. You know, he paid for that. <laughs> well, and let's put this in perspective too, because ninety four is a year after Pablo's killed. Basically, mm -hmm. he's killed December ninety three. December of ninety three, yep. right? And so you've been there. You've been in Colombia for how long by that point? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. So now I wanted to kind of. Bookmark that before we start talking about that. Did you ever hear about uh, Murphy or Pena or hear anything about DEA with Pablo? Uh, up I, I saw him in Netflix. I learned about them. I saw him in the <laughs> Narcos. Yeah, very <laughs> well-looking guy in Narcos. You saw Floyd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Saw my good friend, the actor. Okay, so '94. Uh, so let, let's talk about that then. So, how, but but let's go back to that because December of '93, Pablo's killed. What does how does that impact your father, your uncle? How does that impact you guys? Because we believe that everything was going to change, that because we got rid of this guy every day, we was you know who change knows? how. Because we believe they they were going to surrender because that was my uncle was always talking about surrender. Every time we met, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to to take advantage of that law that yeah, if you yeah, surrender, but that was. Yeah, okay. boom. He was talking. <laughs> He's just talking. Uh, yeah, he was only talking. So they they started, and he always he always was, uh, uh, you know, telling that oh, it's that Miguel doesn't want me to do this, and Miguel always was the the, the bad guy, you know. 
So they started, you know, uh, directly negotiation with the with with the Colombian authorities. There, the grief was uh, in there. Remember mm -hmm. the, Gustavo the grief, Gustavo the grief was General. there. So, so they started, you know, okay, like, like le, le, we're gonna surrender. So Miguel is gonna stay out. Gilberto is gonna prison. Then no, we're gonna go hard arrest. So they started playing around, and the government got 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 you know uh, tired of that, and then. You guys decided we're gonna go with this, uh, the Cali cartel, and then something happened. Very something okay. that. Uh, uh, don't ask me. Ask me. Sorry. No, I was gonna say. Let's before we pass bypass the grief too much. Steve, you and I have had discussions, and I know you've brought this out because mm -hmm. it was just. It seemed unnatural to us, basically as Americans, that the attorney general would be protecting. Escobar's family the way he did. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but his partner, uh, Javier, when they, they, however they got visas, Steve, you, right. you tell the story better than I do. You tell. Yeah, so pa Javier, my partner, is in Medellin one day with the cops at Rio Negro Airport, and uh, and the, a commotion starts, and they realize that the Escobar family is on a plane bound for Miami. Mm -hmm. How did they get visas to the United States? And to this day, we still don't know. Well, Javier recognized what was going on, so he called our boss, called the ambassador. The ambassador ordered him to rip the visas out of their passports. Well, you can imagine the commotion that caused, you know, the screaming and yelling and threatening and everything that was going on. And, and that was that was just before he tried to get his family to Frankfurt, Germany, mm -hmm. and that which was like a month or a few weeks later. But how the heck did they get visas to the United States? That I, that I, mystery has I, never I, been solved. I had visa to ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, but your name wasn't Escobar. No, yeah, <laughs> but and, you know, well, but that's true. But but my question was though about De Grief. Did 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 you have a feeling, or did you know that De Grief was he being paid by the Escobars? Was he no, no, being no, that's, that's compromised? You think he was an honest man? That was an honest man. Like like, like we talked before, like Massa, mm -hmm. General that's, Massa. That's my father's. Told me no. Yeah, my father told me Massa was a. I never gave this guy nothing. He never asked for nothing for me. He only wanted information from me. And this guy, the grave, he told me he never received nothing to wow. my father. I don't know if he received from Escobar, do you, but I don't believe that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you believe? Do you believe that he didn't receive anything from Escobar, or do you think Escobar paid the grief? No, 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 no. Because the grave was an uh, was an objective for Escobar. You know that more than you know, right. he wanted to kill him. Because there. he was close to us. And if any of the Colombian government officials are listening to this podcast, let General Maza Marquez go. I yeah. mean, he's got, yeah, they've got him I always, there. when they, they ask me about that, I, I laugh. I, I, I really laugh because that's crazy that they try to involve this guy that he's a Colombian hero. He's a right. real hero. Absolutely. Not, yeah. like, not like Serrano and Naranjo. They're not heroes. This guy's a hero. And and this guy is now prosecuted for something he didn't do. Right, they've got him under like permanent house arrest. Yeah. So crazy. I mean, he, and plus he's a friend of ours. Yeah, the guy was was straight. My father, this guy never received a cent. He received my information. And when when they hit Gacha, when they hit Gacha, is mm -hmm. because my father put somebody in Gacha organization, and he was giving the information to to Massa. Would that be Navagante? In Navagante, yeah. Yeah, All right. yeah my father paid $3 million to Navagante. To, to he him. told us that. 
Because he, because he was going to get a reward from the United States for a million dollars, and he it, got three million from the cartel. Well, it took, I mean, getting a million bucks from the United States back then took months and months, and finally he just said, "Screw it, I've already been paid by the Cali guys." Three million, yeah, yeah they paid three million. So then let's let's go back to '94 then, because you said so. Now the reason I kind of want to lay that foundation, I wanted everybody to understand the context of all the things that got on. Pablo's dead now. You've got all of these things going on. So '94, what was the bite of the? Uh, of the apple that got you started in this because he you know i believe in this and it's not an excuse because uh, i don't have excuses for what i did that's why i have to pay for it dearly but i believe i wanted this guy attention right i wanted my father i was desperate to have his intention i never had it so this that's when uh, the uh, the ocho mil process happened the 800 process happened so you know i read about that but i didn't understand i don't remember that yeah, that happens because remember when when my father had a lobbyist that was called Gil, Alberto Giraldo? Mm-hmm. That guy was the guy who was in charge of talking to police. He, I, when when he got to prison, I got his job in the end because the guy was, you know, the guy who was talking to the, the polit, important politician. Mm-hmm. And then you guys, the ADA, you know, knew where this guy was going. He was going to girl, a girl he had. And and he had a a, a message from from some pair to my dad and and uncle, and the guy immediately went to you know he wanted to get paid so he called my father. Hey Miguel, I have the wonderful news for you. I don't know. And so my father, said, where are you? And the guy, so the guy said, no, don't worry, I'm gonna save food. <laughs> and then my father, no, 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 no. My father had a plane in the airport for him. Because this moment we're making a deal with with the government to surrender, no, and and we needed a law, so that that's why we gave ten million dollars to to that campaign, the president campaign, because we wanted a law a law to help us. You know? and, and and just to clarify that that's that's when Ernesto Semper was running for president of yeah. Colombia, so. and the Cali cartel donated ten million dollars. And to is this that campaign. the documentation, Chris, and the guys found hidden in the? Um, I think so. The in desk. the ledger books. Yeah, the ledger books. I yeah. Think so. Where is that? Where is that information? In a ledger book, I think. <laughs> yeah. Was it? No. Yeah. I, I don't know. Was it not? No, because I'm going to tell you where, because when I'm going to tell you a story after, later on when we were going to talking about how, when they were after my dad. Okay. Where there was, there was a suitcase. That we know, we never found out where it was. Who, who had that suitcase? Because in that suitcase, there were the proof against some pair. And that wasn't taken by the Americans during one of the raids? I don't know who took that. Or was Serrano or somebody took that? that well, that. we thought it was when one of the raids on the Coletta, um, that was discovered in one of the deaths. Yeah, I thought it was too. Yeah. But there's information that my father, no, but they didn't find it in a death. No, let's let's go. We'll, we'll get to there. Yeah, we'll get okay, to there. Let's talk about '94. Let, yeah. Let's talk about '94. So then there, there comes this political scandal because you guys. You know, intercept this guy's phone call. Then my father didn't talk. I believe it was my dad. But then I I heard that, and then then he and then my father said these words to this guy: "Hey, I know you. Sorry about you know. M, don't call my brother because I know you. Oh, don't worry, Miguel. I won't call him." My father hit the phone, and then my, immediately he calls my aunt, my <laughs> uncle. Um, <laughs> Is that the call, Joe Toft? It could be. Yeah, I had never thought about that, but it could be. And that because was, there was a call that got leaked to the media, a tape of the yeah, intercept I know, I, of the I, call. I'll tell you that before. So 
All right. <laughs> so then he calls my uncle. Hey, Gilberto, I got a wonderful news for you. You know, this is incredible. You have in your hands who is going to be president of Colombia. And then my uncle says this word. Where are you? Are you in a safe home? And this guy said, yes, I'm in a safe home. So my uncle talks threw everything. Talks openly. Openly. So that's when you got the tapes that they give to Pastrana. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, I, 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 can, I, I, I cannot say something. I cannot upset this guy, this Pastrana guy. I'm going to tell you why uh, later on. But but then this guy comes out and like you know they, they rub the relations for me and then that that and and that's and then it came a, a international. I, I believe that was the moment when the Cali cartel lost everything because you know you guys figure out that that the power that we had. So you you decided we're gonna go for these guys and we're gonna destroy them. Mm-hmm. And it was later that in '94, when Joe Toff was retiring, that he he came out publicly and made accusations against the government mm-hmm. because there was knowledge of what was going on, and and you know obviously people were denying what was going on in the Colombian government, which got him in hot water, you know, yeah. a lot of hot water. So let's go to the for when I bought buy the the, like the apple, the apple, and then and then. It comes, you know, they change all the high authorities in police and the, the people who were in our pocket. And they bring these guys around on board and all that stuff. And then they start persecuting my dad, you know. They're putting the words on him. And so this, my father was first, you know, they put out the reward and he was there. And then he decided to pay. So they put a mustache on, a mustache on him. <laughs> He never used nothing of that. Only when he captured. 15 days before he was captured, he let, let the beer grow. He always was the way he is. He never... He always, always clean shaved. He always clean shaved. And then, then he decided, I'm going to fight because this is illegal. They, they're putting out this reward. So he made a... There's a there's a, a legal stuff in Colombia called a tutela. Tutela? It's, yeah, tutela. That's something that when you feel that one of your... Rights are violated, you mm-hmm. can put it, right? So he makes an arrangement for somebody uh, for uh, with a um, with, um, prosecutor, uh, oh, a judge, because you have to go to a judge and say, hey, my rights are being violated. So he said, he calls me, okay, son, I need you for this. I need you to help me with this. You have to go and put it in, in this, in this, um, in this, uh, how you call that, a judge, where the judge rules. Um, uh, like an injunction? No, no, where the judge is. Uh, he makes a decision? No, how you call where where the, who's got hombre, you see, sometimes I forget this Spanish English. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, but, but, so, but they follow an action, the judge makes a decision. Yeah, no, but he says, I need you to go physically to the office of the judge. Mm-hmm. And put this in. So it's like put an affidavit in, or yeah, something uh, like that. Something a, like that. So yeah. I go, I go. Oh, you put the. It's like the legal paper. Yeah, so legal paper. Legal so paper. that, so the guy to take the decision, he has like ten days to make a decision. Right. Mm-hmm. You so, bring the complaint. To yeah. Him. So the guy had somebody, yeah. somebody that knew that judge, and and it was bribed, right? So my father called me. I need you to do this. Only go and put this thing in, in this in that office, and. Okay, I did it. I went there. I put it. And then what happened? They took uh, another phone call. My father talking to this guy 
who helped him talking about that. So boom, I got I got in trouble. They had they they brought an investigation against me. So they 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 tried to indict me. When you say they, was it the Colombian National the, Police? The, no, the just the justice system in Colombia okay. tried to you know because they 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 brought me to 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 an, uh, a prosecutor. So the guy comes and put the tapes. Wow. Tommy, what are you hearing there? And, and I say, hey, excuse me, is my voice there? No. And so what are you talking about? I went to this place, I did this, this, this. I don't know what my father is talking with this guy. Ask my father. That way I got, but that, that was like the first time that I helped him with something illegally, uh, you know, trying to bribe somebody. Uh-huh. That's the, was the, my, my first, you know, opportunity to show him who I was. But you said something interesting earlier. Did you do it? I mean, because at some point as a lawyer, I mean, you you have ethics. There's certain things you can do and can't do. Uh, you're an officer of the court like here. But you said that you were looking for getting attention from your father. It reminds me of some kids when they act out. It's like they're acting out to get the attention from the father, right? So did mm-hmm. you do this to try and get in good graces with your father to make him yeah, feel better I, about I you? I had, like you say, daddy issues, did you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, daddy issues? Yeah, daddy yeah. issues, yeah. yeah. I have a, I did an interview about that, and, and it's crazy, you know, how, how can you, how sometimes you try to bring that attention to your, your somebody that you love and you don't get that attention, and that's what I wanted to do, get his attention that I, you know, I can help him. How did you feel, though, after you did that the first time? You knew it was illegal and you did it, so uh, did you struggle with it ethically or morally? No, because frankly, I believe I was doing the right thing because I was helping my family, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a crusade because, you know, that's what they made us believe. That is, we were against, everybody was against us and we had to, you know, fight back. See, I like what you said there because that's the mentality a lot of people do when you want to rally people, whether it was Hitler you know, mm-hmm. or anybody else. It's like, hey, everybody's attacking us. You know, you give them the mentalities that we're fighting back because... It's okay for us to fight back because they're attacking us, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but so that was the first time. What happens after that? So that's '94. What happens? Oh, because then, then what happened later? You no, know, um, you know the the they they continue you pressure us. You know they're they're going to our houses. They're going to our offices. They're they're hunting these guys down, and then boom, Gilberto, you know, is captured. What and happened when Gilberto was captured? How did that affect you? How did that affect your father, your family? Did it change your operations? I mean, what? How much more involved were you now at this point? No, in that moment, not too much because because you know they were operating uh, independently of us. We were taking care of the companies. All those, see, uh, those the authorities coming to our houses. You know, all those process. It was very difficult, and I was in charge of that, like uh, the legal part. Yeah, but when I and it was like June of nine of ninety five when this guy was captured, and, and so I called my father because you know my father was he talked every, all day for a phone. I don't I don't know how you didn't be able to get that guy. He talked every all day on the phone. He has like different jumps mm-hmm. all around the city. And he was, but he was also operating late at night too, right? Calling yeah, overseas. No, he changed. He changed his circle. You know? Yeah. He he, a normal. He used to sleep until twelve, and work until 
one or two o'clock in the morning because mm -hmm. it was easier for him to be outside. In and the you night. know that's how he got caught. No, he didn't get caught. Then I'll yep. tell you why he got caught because don't don't believe Salcedo, my friend. No, no, it's not. It's not. No, it's not. <laughs> don't believe Salcedo. Yeah. It's guy, not about Salcedo. Yeah. No, it's not about Salcedo, but it was information Salcedo gave because. When you're looking for somebody who's operating late at the night and all the other lights are out in the building and there's only two lights on, yeah, yeah. But Salcedo know where where what was what uh, building he was in. Maybe that's true. Maybe he, they, you guys saw where. No, we we talked with Chris and Dave, the ones who did that, and that part of it was some of his information helped, but he didn't know everything because they kept he kept his protection circle really close, but they were able to identify where he was. Based upon, as they looked at where the lights were, they traced, okay, who was in that apartment. And then they looked at, your father had some unique diets, some dietary issues. And he had staff, you know, to cook meals for him. So that was his his operation, the way he operated, and his things that were unique to him is also what helped identify where he was at. Yeah, yeah. but so I'll give up the, 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 same, the, the building. Where, I, I was the guy who got that building for my dad. Yeah. So this guy, my, my father made a mistake believe in this guy because I told him that he was the he was the guy who was writing on him the he didn't believe was. me well how, what made you think that because they did an operation against my father in in a building that I, I went the last time I saw my father was in that building and they made a good operation because they didn't flew to Cali they flew to a, a town close and the police and they came in trucks and they and they went by foot because my father had circles around. That guy knew where my father was, but he didn't know the apartment, right? Mm -hmm. So this, so they start checking down the the building, and and they and they knew who was one of the guys who who was with my father. So they went in there. My father had a, a caleta. It's like a place where he hid. So mm -hmm. it was perfect, perfect in, in the bathroom. It was unable to detect that. So the, my father got in there, and it was an operation there. My father got in there like at six o'clock of the morning, and he was there until seven o'clock, and then he went back, and he was there like like 11, twelve o'clock of the, on the night. So I was sleeping when somebody called me, and so they called me and said, "Hey, your father's trapped in this place." I knew the caleta because he showed me when I was there. So I went to a place. And I was sitting down with two, one important guy in this organization was by my side, another guy who worked with me. And then we called this guy because he was security, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, Salcedo, we need you. So that guy was going, coming and going, coming and going, taking information for us. So one of the guys was the second of the operation that this guy did, communication, Salcedo. So the guy tell me, hey boss, this guy, I believe, this guy's been acting strangely. Why? Because, you know, I don't know. He's not the same guy. Because he didn't, he didn't chip into the end, right? He, 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 was, he was loyal into the end. Mm -hmm. When he saw that my uncle was captured and, and everything was going to fall, then he started working with, with this guy, Chris, is the name? Chris. And so... He was going, and, and so I, I thought, I'm going to, because it wasn't a, uh, an operation, and they were inside, and they, they knew he was there, because as I was saying, he's in their apartment. 
So they 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 thought a lie in, in every day. They say they, they put a like a, a drill, a drill in there, and then they cut my father. If 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 if, if that drill will come with blood, you'll take down the building, right? Right. So no, there was one of the one of the guys who was doing the drill. They cut himself. That's why the the blood mm. was over there. You see, I'm telling you something that's not in Netflix, man. <laughs> He's a, I got to tell you, William is a big fan of the Netflix show. No, <laughs> not, no, not, it's, it's not about that. It's, it's about, you know, I believe our story doesn't need to make fiction stuff. Well, but 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 let's let's be honest about something, though. And Murph, you said this before, too. Hollywood isn't about telling the truth. It's no. about telling a story. Yeah. And because if you go back, ask, ask Murph. And if you watch Narcos, did you watch Narcos? I have to do it to for the legal thing I'm doing against them. Okay, so ask ask him because in Narcos they make it look like Javier and Steve are at each other's throats that they smoke that they are drinking and doing all this stuff. What's the real truth? We never even had neither one of us smoked. We never we've never even had a disagreement since 1991. We've not had a disagreement. They've never thrown anybody out of a helicopter. Yeah. But you know that's and that's one of the thing on our contracts though is they have the right to use uh, creative li- uh, liberties. Creative, yeah, creative <laughs> liberties. <laughs> that one beer about yeah, me here. You haven't even it, had half a beer yet. I know. <laughs> so no, but but you might need this. Chris, this guy Chris has part of the story, and I have the other part. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. say let's say this, let's say in this moment what happened, right? Yeah. He doesn't know how I got my my father out of there. He never. He, he, he doesn't know how I, I did it. Even Salcedo doesn't know how I got my daughter. My father. So I, I got my father out of there. So let's. T- how did you get your father out of yeah. there? Because so I I start to you know see this guy goes and come back. Salcedo Salcedo is going back. He was calling this guy Chris and tell him because he was taking information. So I'm gonna tell this guy. I'm gonna change the story of this. Uh, we're gonna say and we want to look happy that my father is out of there. Right. So this guy comes in, and he saw it with smiling. And this guy, wait, wait, what happened? No, my father is out. This guy, time pedal. Hmm. So this guy look at me, and and one of the guys who was sitting down with me was a very, uh, um, let's how how can we say the word so you don't get. Uh, he was a, very observant. No, uh, very observant. He was a very dangerous man. Okay. Yeah. So that guy says to me, "Hey, patron." Do I throw him in the in the in the how you say in the car in, in the back? In the trunk. In, in the, the trunk. trunk. I got scared because it wasn't my not, not my decision. Sarcel owes the life to me. He doesn't know that. The guy, if I was there, the guy would took in the guy and kill him. Wow. So I say, no, no, no. Let's wait. Let's let's wait till my father comes out of there and we'll tell what happened. So, okay, so the guy goes back and gives Chris this information that I give. So they cancel the operation. They go. You can tell them that happened. Oh, he'll they, be, he'll, he's going to listen to this. Yeah, I'm sure. he, 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 <laughs> the operation was canceled. But they left four guys outside, four police guys outside. And then my father comes out of, of the hole he is in. Because that's something that's, that's good. Well, this guy was the most powerful man in drug trafficking, and he has to hide in walls like rats. So yeah. is that the, the life you want? Yeah, right? So exactly. you have to ask uh, you know, uh, th- that question. So he comes out and he got crazy because my father was, was not, he was not in his mind in those moments. So he calls. Well, he calls one of the guys who was hitting with me and he said, hey, what's going on? Da, da, get me out of here. So we had somebody in, in, in the police infiltrated 
Mm -hmm. so he and, and we call him Marta because that way we know we had somebody giving information, so we changed the name. We didn't. The guy was named Buitrago, and we called him Marta. You know. Mm -hmm. What? Buitrago. I think yeah. Chris and them. Event, they, we don't. They, yeah. they may not have known at the time, but they knew about. They it know later. now. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they found out after that. They said they found out about Buitrago. He yeah. was a sergeant in, in the. In That's that. the one they called the Shadow. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. So, so, the, so he said, and so, call with trago, ta ta. And so he said, and and, he, and my father, and put me Salcedo on the phone. He said, no, father, I'm not gonna put him. Why? No, put him on the phone. I need to talk to him. So I called this guy, and give my father, give my father on the phone. So the guys talk to him. Okay, señor. Okay, 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 okay. He hang up. He goes. And in, in an hour, they came back. So my father got again in the hole. And they, again, were searching, Search. searching, 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 searching. They couldn't find it. So they got tired like 12 o'clock. They couldn't find my dad. They go and leave the four guys. So then I told the guy who was here, call Marta. If I talk about who's Marta, I didn't know who was Marta it was. So the guy who was sitting by my side, uh, call Marta and he comes. Salcedo didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. so, so we made a, 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 a So Salcedo knew who he was, but uh, I say, okay. I say, Salcedo, I, I, I don't remember what I told Salcedo. I told, I need you to do this. So go. go. So he goes, and then we, we, we start making, because I didn't trust this guy anymore, right? So uh, we were making the plan to take my father out. So we found a car and this guy, Marta. And, and he told me, oh, but I cannot go. I said, you are going to take my father out of there. I don't know what you're going to do. So the guy went in a car over there, ta -ta, get in, the, in that building. The police was out. He, he said, he, I'm, I'm going to go there and inspect somebody, something. So then the guy goes up to the apartment where my father is hiding. So my father is already outside, and then, okay, what we're we gonna do? We're gonna try to take you out in this car that, that I give them. And then my father had that that famous briefcase. briefcase. Mm -hmm. They didn't find it in, in no, they find it, they when when they couldn't get my father out, they got scared, and my father threw it. It was like, they, they were building something inside, and, and they put it in San Sen in, in, in front of that. And then my father went back and then they decided, no, we're not going to take you out this way. We're going to take you out for the pool. So my father, this guy was, was trying to get my father with that guy through a, a big wall. Uh -huh. And so they put him and my father jumped to the other side and then he walked and he walked out of there. So Steve, that is the wall. That's the picture I think we have on our website from Chris, that wall down that canal that will ringed yeah, along that culvert there. Yeah. So it went into kind of like a culvert where there was, culvert. Oh, there was another Caleta, my father. And this one, this, this was, um, this was the first one. This was, I'm sorry. Oh, Murph sorry, just everybody. killed our microphone. Oh, oh my no. God. He got, he got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get comfortable. <laughs> All right. Cause I'm telling the a part that he doesn't know about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this guy, Chris didn't tell him. <laughs> So my father, you know, a boy, and he, and he escaped. So so when they found out of that, they made a raid, you know, and they found out where my father was hiding, and they found that, that briefcase. briefcase. So we never know where that briefcase is. 
No, we never knew because there were the documents that you know prove that some pair had they bribed money. the president. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it went to the embassy. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe Serrano has it and 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 blackmailed the president. Uh, well, you know, it depends on who was there from the Colombian National Police because they could order them to turn the documents over. But typically, they would give us an opportunity to photocopy everything and then turn it, the originals back to them. Yeah. So I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Nobody never knew what happened with those inform that information. With the original documents. Yeah. Yeah. No, who, I don't know who had them or some or Serrano. Blackmail the president or, or something. And he could do it. I believe he, Serrano can do that. Well, that was General Serrano, right? Yeah. yeah. Jose Serrano. The, the most, the, what, what did they say? The, el mejor policía del mundo. The best police in the, in the world. <laughs> you don't agree with that, huh? <laughs> no. Not a second. Did you pay him off? No, not, not us. The North Valley Cartel. North Valley? <laughs> okay. How do you know? A little bird. I hope he sued me. Well, no, but I mean, when I say, how do you know, was North Valley competitive with you? Were they in, in competition? No, but you know you? what we know? Because when Chepe was killed, mm -hmm. our associate, uh, our friend Danilo Gonzalez, right. who he is. Former police major. Yeah, that guy, you know, um, very, very close to Serrano and to Naranjo. And when they killed uh, our associate, Jose, that they, he was turned to the police, and they made that that stupid thing that he was shot for the authorities. That was a lie. He was killed, and then gave up to the police. Mm -hmm. So that's when we knew he was corrupt, and he, he can sue me. And and if he sued me, I'll make a how you call that a detector of lies. Well, yeah, take a polygraph. Yeah, I took it. Okay. Because because uh, uh, I'm not saying the nothing that that's not true. So this is all going on. So what finally, so your father finally gets out, right? That mm -hmm. time? What happens after that? Yeah, he got out and then I meet, uh, I call my father and told him, hey, this happened, this guy. And he said, you always talking bad about people. That's what he told me. <laughs> this guy has been loyal to me and uh, okay. Yeah, and you're talking about Jorge Salcedo yeah, at this point, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I, 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 had, I, I didn't have the decision to take care of him. Could I don't you? know. Maybe that's the the best decision I made in my life, or maybe the worst one. Yeah, I don't know. That he trusted Jorge more than he trusted you. Yeah, but that's what my my father was. You know, because you talk bad to somebody, he always defend that person. <laughs> but I knew, I knew in his mind, it was working. So he he should have called Sasel and say, "Hey, you piece of garbage, tan tan tan." So he knew that I was the guy who read it on him. <laughs> so that's why he he hates me. Yeah, yeah, you know the guy. You figured it out. Hmm? I, I don't know who. You never talked to him. No, I read his book. That's all. And yeah, talked to don't, Chris. We don't have any contact with him. Chris, yeah, he's, he's, have he's a time. protective witness, no? He, as far as we, we know, witness witness protection. Yeah, and so so when you go into WITSEC, what they call witness protection, um, it's it is near impossible. The U.S. Oh, Marshals and, and, run and, I, and I don't want to know even where he is. Yeah. Well, because I don't care. We we could call in all the favors we want. They're just not going to tell us, right? And yeah. No, and and no, and and that guy can go to Colombia, and 
For my part, nothing is going to happen to him because I don't care about what happened. You know, that's that's the past. Well, you don't want to go back to prison either. <laughs> no, I don't care about that. I want to be. I want to be with my kids and my wife. Yeah. Well, yeah. but that's interesting. We're we're going to talk about that in a minute. So let's talk about because because once the operations like that start, I mean, we you can now see the end is coming for the Cali cartel. Yeah, as it was structured at that time, right? Yeah, uh, I knew because my my father was, you know, it wasn't uh, in his mind because I went I went 15 days before I'm telling you and talk to him and tell him to surrender because he he escaped like three times. So I was in top giving, but mm-hmm. th- that's one of the places that you told him he, he had in a bathroom. He had something where where he can go out into that the thing that you right. described. Into the culvert. And because we, ne- we never understand why he was so confident to be there. Because he took a lot of people there. Hmm. And so, but, you know, I, even I didn't know he had that, that, that place to escape. Oh, you didn't know about that? No, I didn't know about that. Later on, I, f- I find out about that later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, because we were always talking about, wait, my father, why he stays there? Well, we didn't understand. Because a lot of people has has been there in, in that place, so somebody could could betray. The more people that yeah, the more people that go there, the more somebody the bigger yeah. risk. Yeah. 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 Did did he have a pattern of changing residences every so often? No, he was in that place for a long time. Like let's say before Pablo was killed, he was there. Oh really? That place. Wow. He was like four years, and I didn't understand why. Holy cow, that's a yeah. long yeah. yeah because he had that escape route. Yeah. Right. Well, he was he was he was comfortable thinking that if something happens, I've got to collect. Yeah, I got to wait till I get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got out. Because hey, Chris, when we were talking, I mean, there were some of the these elaborate ways under a hot tub, you know, under a tub. Yeah, you know, it, it was there. Yeah. Yep. So. So you'll notice a little bit of a break there. That was what we call a pause for the cause um, with a little bit of vino. And <laughs> it was pe- necessary. Yeah. At, at guys our age, we need to uh, um, relieve the bladder. But um, so we were talking about Saucedo and and your father uh, there. You know, you mentioned something I think on there. He'd been there for four years. You know, in that same place. Um, but what happened after that? So did Bertrago finally get? He, he finally got him out of there. No, right? he got him out of there. Like I told you, he threw a, a big wall and he helped him. Yeah. More and so, so and this guy got out there. But Sasel now, Sasel now knew who was our informant in in the police. Right. And he, and my father made a mistake. He went to a place nearby where one of his wife was, and then he called Sasel and Sasel took him to the final destiny, right, from mm-hmm. the place where he captured. So Sasel knew. Where my the the building where my father was, but he didn't know. He didn't know which, which apartment. apartment. Yeah, it was the the tenth floor where my father was hiding because I was the guy who who got in that place. Now, who did you get? So one of the things we were noticing when they were looking at like uh, real estate records and stuff, when you got that apartment, whose name did you put it under? No, we made a contract because it wasn't ours. There was a a, a girl that a lady, yeah, a lady that I helped her. Her, her her husband was killed. He was a drug dealer. And I helped Paul a lot, you know, uh, when in the process, a legal process, uh, getting some some money back and doing all the errands, errands and stuff. And so she owed me a favor. She didn't know. I thought, I want to, I wanna, you know, I want to rent your apartment. Because the apartment was, it wasn't ours. So... Hmm. 
You know, I had that one and I had another place where my father could hit because I was the guy who was getting the places for my dad to hide. Were you arranging the engineers to come in and build the collapse? No, no, that was my dad. And they like, he, had, he had somebody who, who was uh, uh, my, my, my jikis. My, he was uh, uh, a magician. A magician to do that stuff. It was perfect. Those places were perfect. So, um, but let, let's talk about that for a second. So, because we talked about your first bite of the apple. How long did it take from that first bite of the apple till what we're talking about now? Was that like less than like maybe 18 months, less than two years? Oh, it was, no, well, we're talking about, we're talking about, no, like six months. Six months. So it really escalated pretty, pretty quickly from your first, the, the civil, the, the rights violation, filing with the judge to where you're handling all this for your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people look up to me. I don't know why. Because people who, who was by his side, you know, wanted to to brought me in. My father wasn't. Was was the people who was uh, helping him, you know, going to me because my father was, you know, in a desperate situation because three times he escaped from being captured. So those people were looking for me for for answers, right? Because nobody was, my my uncle was in prison. Mm -hmm. My father was desperate hiding himself. So who was was left? Me? Yep, you're the next logical person. Yeah, so they were going to me. What what can we do, sir? You know, because they didn't know what to do. No, it was, the cartel was now, doesn't have a head because my father was desperately hiding, trying to survive. So, but your father and your uncle, but there were still two others, right? Yeah, but the, uh, Chepe was captured already. Okay. Santa Cruz and, 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 and Pacho, I never trusted that guy. Okay. So, so he was, he had a different operation. He had different people by his side, you know. So, so, so we didn't have, I didn't have contact. I saw this guy like three times in my life. But, but at this point when things were going and I didn't trust him so at this point when things were happening like that did at what point do you get involved in the actual drug operation well I never did drug drug trafficking you never never involved in any of that never, never. because you're not going to believe this well, because no, because do you know? authorities don't believe yeah. this but my, the last shipment that my father sent was in 96 he sent 100 kilos to Houston and some toxic, toxic uh, uh, chemicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they say that he was sending 150. A guy who sent three tons, uh, 1,500 tons of cocaine was sending 150 kilos. So that's, that's something doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. You see? But, you know, and it's understandable. I'm, I'm not judging nobody. Hey players, that is the end of part one. Part two comes out, as always, on Tuesday. In the meantime, go check us out at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. Also, go check out our website, GameofCrimesPodcast.com. We've got a lot more information there, including our book list. Any book written by our guests will be listed there. In the meantime, go check us out also, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. It's where we put a lot more content you won't hear on our regular podcast. We go into a lot more topics, and folks, it is a lot of fun. So go check us out, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow for part two.